What's up, what's up, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Kraken One Open with Mike. <laughs> and Elise. And that's our episode, everyone. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> hey, baby, how you doing today? I want some beer. You want some beer? Wait. That, that's good, because this is a beer podcast. We oh, do beer sweet. Here. All right, that works out. Yep. So do you want to know what we're drinking this week? Yeah, surprise me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let me know. Lay it on me. All right. So Ode to Blumpy is an American IPA uh, from Thomas Hooker Brewery. So their primary location, like where the actual uh, brewing and canning takes place, is in Bloomfield, Connecticut. But they also have a tap room in Hartford. And that facility is located at the historic Colt Firearms Building, which is pretty cool. That's you pretty can nice. have events there. And um, Anyway. So this IPA was originally released about two years ago uh, in early 2018, and Hooker's website says that it's available year round. But when I picked up this four pack last week, it was the first time that I had actually seen it at our local package store. So I think it could be that maybe it's always on tap, but not always in cans, because the store we go to usually has a lot of stuff from Hooker, like the the super duper double citra, their signature blonde ale. And their seasonal stuff like that chocolate truffle stout that mm-hmm. you love. Oh, so we did the we did the Christmas one too, right? Yep. Uh, so that was the nor'easter winter lager that we reviewed for the Christmas beer episode. I believe I don't remember whether it was one or two. We part, should do that part one or part two. We should do that double uh, citra one at some point too. We should. I love that can. They actually. I'm pretty sure I like that beer too, but. Well, yeah, it looks like Nickelodeon. That's what, yeah, that's probably why it's one of my favorite cans. They just released, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how limited the release is, but they released Triple Citra recently. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> hold the phone. I know it's a crazy amount of Citra. <laughs> um, anyway, this one caught my eye because the can is awesome, but I'll leave the the design for you to get into. But I'm not gonna lie, I mostly bought it because of the story behind the beer. The can says. Ode to Blumpy was produced in loving memory of our loyal brewery cat, Blumpy. A rescue, Blumpy ruled the roost at Hooker for nine years. She was a fiercely independent yet lovingly social mascot. Whether sitting with patrons in our tasting room, hanging with the team on the production floor, or stealing the show during a brewery tour, she was and always will be in our hearts. So obviously being a cat person, that hit me right in the feels and I had to get it. It doesn't hurt that it also sounds delicious, so let me get into that now. Uh, This is an unfiltered IPA coming in at 7% ABV, and it uses mosaic and Huel lemon hops. Huel? Like H-U-L-E? H-U-E-L-L. Very similar to... I'll I'll get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's double dry hopped in order to impart big tropical fruit aromas with flavors of stone fruit, tropical fruit, and even a hint of strawberry. Ooh. Yeah. Mosaic hops are a fairly new variety of hop, and they're actually patented, so you can't grow them yourself as a home brewer. You can only buy cones or pellets. There are a lot of beers that use mosaic, though, right? There are. Um, So when they were bred, the goal was to create a hop similar to Simcoe, but something that would provide a higher yield. And the, the name mosaic refers to the complex and broad aromas that it imparts Uh, its flavor profile spans the range of blueberry and berry medley to mango stone fruit floral uh, bubblegum tropical citrusy grassy piney earthy and spicy a whole mosaic of flavors is that why it's called (laughs) mosaic 
Because basically, they're saying it tastes like everything. Yeah. Or you, you can pull it can, different flavors. It can taste from like everything. Yeah, That's exactly. pretty cool, though. And because of its clean bitterness, it works very well to use in the dry hopping process, which, as I mentioned, uh, Blumpy is double dry hopped. So while the mosaic hops are used for both bittering and aroma prop, uh, purposes, the second main hop in the brew, Hule Lemon, is used solely for its aroma. It is intensely fruity with big flavors of, get this, melon. Oh, that was not <laughs> what I was going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> Honeydew melon, strawberry, and hints of apricot. Wait, wait, wait. What the hell is the lemon? It's Huel Melon. Have I been listening to this wrong the whole time? You did. You didn't even hear what I said. I was getting God. really excited with some lemon. I have lemon on the brain, guys. It's because you talked to me about lemon earlier today. I did. And now that it's in my brain, <laughs> I'm going to have to have a lemon later now. <laughs> I do love melon, though, so I'm still excited. Yes. Uh, one website also said that it may impart whispers of orange, vanilla, and fruit tea as well. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So Huel Lemon... Uh, Oh, maybe I did say lemon. Oh. I hope I didn't. Now you got it in my head. Mm, did I? Or have you said Hugh Lemon this whole time? I don't know. You'll we'll figure see, it out we'll in the see edit. when I go back to edit. <laughs> uh, I, I'm wondering if you'll keep this in there or if you'll correct yourself to lemon to make me seem crazy and keep the melon and redo it as melon in the edit. Yeah, everyone knows you're crazy anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hugh Melon. You're gaslighting melon. me. <laughs> 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 is also sometimes known as Hallertau melon. And that may sound familiar from when I went over the classic noble hops from Europe in a couple mm-hmm. episodes yep. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this variety leans more toward <laughs> crazy, more toward <laughs> bolder, exotic flavor profile of new world hops, as opposed to the traditional German varieties. Interestingly, this hop is also not available for home brewers to grow themselves as it, as this one is protected under the European plant variety rights. Well, so qu- question, teacher, yes. teacher, yeah. how did how did America get it? That's a good question. America. America. So Huel Melon is best used in beer styles that require a light bittering profile, which in this case paired with Mosaic, it does. And it also pairs nicely with Belgian ales, Hefeweizens, Saison's, Pale Ales and American IPAs like this one. Ooh. So according to Hooker, Eau de Blumpy is brewed with an absurd amount of flaked oats, which gives it a rich and full bodied mouthfeel. It's going to be light orange in color with a dense, persistent head. And since it's unfiltered, I'm guessing that it's going to be pretty hazy as well. Untapped gives it four out of five stars and Beer Advocate gives it an outstanding score at 91. So since we haven't tried this one yet and it sounds delicious, shall we crack it open? Oh, my God. You said the name oh of the God. podcast. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. It's so meta. All right. Oop, got some on the pop filter. It's a crappy pop filter. <laughs> we need an upgrade. Anyone willing to donate to our upgrade fund? Uh, contact <laughs> us at crackingoneopen at gmail.com. Shameless plug. Ooh. That, that is, is very hazy. It is hazy. I don't know if it's oh, very hazy, I can, but I can see stuff. Yep. The unfilteredness. It smells really good. It smells complex, hazy. I'm definitely getting some of those melon notes in my Ooh. sniff. Oh, man, you just went for it. Damn. Hold on. (laughs) Ooh. Surprisingly refreshing for something that's so hazy. Yeah. It doesn't taste hazy. No, it doesn't. Which is nice. I want to say I taste the strawberry, but I don't know if it's just because it was put in my head. I can get some strawberry on the back of my tongue. Yeah. But I get a strong melon taste. Mm. 
Like, that's I, definitely the biggest. I, I guess honeydew. Flavor, yeah. Yep. Um, that's what it's supposed to be. This is specifically the honeydew portion because you listed a bunch of melons, like two melons. No, it's just honeydew melon. No, yeah, yeah, I get the honeydew, which mm-hmm. normally I, I'm not a huge honeydew guy. I don't dislike the taste of honeydew. I dislike the texture of it because it's like itself. you're eating the rind of the of a watermelon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's it's definitely got that honeydewness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. Now. It's the winter now. For people who are listening to this way afterward, we're recording this, this right now in February. Excellent in the summer, especially. But yeah, in the summertime, yeah. that so I can, honeydew I can flavor. See why this would be available year round? Yeah, it's very refreshing. Mm-hmm. I am surprised at how light it tastes for a hazy beer. Yeah, I don't feel like. I mean, I've taken like three giant gulps already, but <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised at how heavy it's not yeah, at all, not just in mouthfeel, but in weight. You know, there are some hazy beers where it's like, if you go to a brewery and you want to have a few beers, you have the hazy one. It's just like, it's going to weigh you down. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's going to slow down your beers and you're not going to be able to try all the beers you maybe wanted to try when you went to the brewery. Mm-hmm. This is not that beer. No, this is a very, very light mouthfeel. And it's balanced too. Yes. Like the bitterness to the sweetness mm-hmm. is just like this perfect, this perfect balance of slightly sweet and, and i'm not a huge sweet guy unless it's like no. maybe a sour this is just my opinion and because I, I really like bitter things i think i might like it a little more bitter but that's not to say i don't love what i'm drinking right now i think mm-hmm. this is fantastic i'm actually very surprised i don't think i've had an ipa from hooker we've had different things but we've mm-hmm. always had their weird chocolatey experimental kind of stouts and yeah. ales and stuff well, like we, that we've had their ale their their blonde ale their blonde that's ale like yeah classic. but we have not had the an IPA from them before. I don't think so. So I'm very, I mean, usually breweries are very good at one thing. Like, there, yeah. there are very few breweries we've been to or had things from where it's like. Every different style. They're great at is, every style. Yeah, yeah. Whatever their brewmaster is. Each one seem, seems to have their own thing. But yeah, I'm color me impressed. <laughs> I love this. I love this. So just a little more bitter for my taste, but that doesn't stop my enjoyment of this beer. And if it were a little bit more bitter, I might say it wasn't great for more warmer weather. That's also fair. But yeah, so drinkable and Very. so hazy and so much sediment on the bottom of this there glass. There is, yeah. Oh, wow. Which is fine. The sediment's not going to hurt you. It's not harmful. They just filtered out basically for the looks department. To, exactly. The hazy beer is really to affect mouthfeel and style, not so much the taste of your beer. It's going to taste the same either way. Mm-hmm. Although I will yeah, say that- I think it's more aesthetic. I would imagine it does affect how heavy the beer actually feels when it gets into your stomach, though. Like, I know they yeah, say it doesn't affect taste, but yeah, that's got the haziness has to affect how heavy that beer actually is. Yeah. When it gets down in your gut. <laughs> oh, I'm still drinking this beer. I'm forgetting to describe the can. <laughs> All right. So the Ota Blumpy can is really cool. It's got the Thomas Hooker Brewery logo up top, uh, which just says Thomas Hooker Brewery. Very, very nice cursive font for Thomas and the and the Hooker in big, bold print letters. And of course, it's got Blumpy Story on the side, which Elise has already read. And the side says, character, steadfast and loving. Copious amounts of mosaic and Huel melon hops make this unfiltered IPA stand out. Light on bitterness, a hint of spice, and heavy on citrusy aromatic give this beer a remarkably unique character, just like its namesake. 7% alcohol by volume. I love the colors on this can so much. So it's a very impressionistic portrait of Blumpy, or what I assume Blumpy would look like. It's a cat on the front of a can. Uh, the most striking feature are the two green eyes you get looking at you in the can. Mm-hmm. I'm it, telling you. A little like... bumpy nose. It does pop out <laughs> of you. It's neon colors. It yeah. goes from, um, what, what's what's the name for it? What's that thing you love? The color you love where it's like all the colors. 
Why, why am I blanking? Oh, iridescent? It's very, kind of iridescent. Almost. Uh, it's got like the purple in the bottom fading into an orange, fading into a yellow, which fades into a green, which fades back down into like a dark blue purple at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, Blumpy's kind of sketched out. Like I said, kind of impressionistic, kind of just like the fur kind of just explodes onto the onto the the mosaic of the of the can. Mm-hmm. The no, little button noses on the bottom with a little bit of a mouth drawing. An ode to Blumpy is written in cursive, kind of very hand drawn, like someone who whoever drew this just drew the title of the can onto it as well, which is very nice. Yeah. And obviously, like Elise said, the story really, you know, it makes it very nice. It's makes sweet. you go, I. Guess I have to get this can. Yep. <laughs> yeah, anybody who doesn't, who likes animals is just going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then obviously the sides have all the uh, the labels, the government warnings, all that good stuff that you need to have. And yeah, they're in pint cans. Which it's, I feel like is becoming very much the norm. I will say we did go to uh, Thimble Island Brewery for a brewery tour this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was our second time doing a tour. We did a tour years ago back when they were kind of just starting out. I, Maybe not just starting not out, just but they starting were a out, much smaller operation. Much smaller. Uh, now they're actually brewing stuff for, for other, other people. Brewer, other breweries like but, City Steam, I think, was one of them. Yeah. When we went there, they had only just gotten a canning machine. Yep. And it was this tiny little thing the size of probably the couch that yeah, we're sitting, sitting in right now. Sitting in the middle of this big room. <laughs> and all they had were bottles. And this time yeah. we went in and all they had floor to ceiling in their warehouse were cans. Yeah. I didn't remember seeing one bottle there. Not, oh, no, there were bottles. There was a very, there was one bottling area. You saw a bottle. Okay. Passed, yeah. I mean, I know their pumpkin beer is in bottles all the time, mm-hmm. but yeah, it seems like canning is the way to go, which yeah. I used to hate cans, but the new canning process, whatever people have done to line the cans has really taken that tinniness out of cans. Yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, I, I'll drink soda out of a can all day mm-hmm. and that could just be because you know, I'm used to it, but yeah, beer out of a can just tastes wrong to or me. Or it used to. It used to. And now it's, it's fine. Although I still prefer drinking it out of a glass. I'll still pour that can into a glass. It doesn't seem to affect the beer. Yeah. So yeah. This is awesome. This is really, really good. <laughs> I might be having a second can after this. Ooh. We did get a four pack. I do want a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Ode to Blumpy by Thomas Hooker Brewery. Check it out. In Check- Bloomfield and Hartford. Yes. Two locations. We haven't been there yet, but I I would definitely be interested in going this summer. It seems like a cool place to uh, be outside. Yeah. And considering that. So far, we've loved everything we've had from them. Mm-hmm. That would be a good place to go. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to some pop culture news and reviews. News and reviews. Brought to you by Insert Your Brewery Here. <laughs> That's right. We're looking for sponsors. If you're a brewery who wants to sponsor this section of the podcast, let us know at crackonopen at gmail.com. So would you like to do news or reviews? I think I've been talking about the can last. I think it's time for you to speak while I drink some beer. <laughs> <laughs> you mean finish that glass? Yeah, I'll listen. <laughs> All right. So this week I would like to follow up on my original uh, review of the pilot for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist because now the second episode has come out. And in this episode, uh, Zoe seems to be coming to terms with the fact that there's going to be song and dance numbers in her head at any given moment. So she's starting to embrace it, but she also is interested in trying to figure out how to control it. And I really dig the first musical number. It already seemed a lot more polished than than the first episode, like as an entirety. And I, actually, I have a note here that says, are those the stairs from Ferris Bueller? So I don't know where it's filmed, but they're the song and dance number where they go down the stairs in Ferris Bueller to twist and shout. 
looked identical to where they were in this episode. So I don't know. You got to see where they filmed it. Although I thought they filmed Ferris Bueller in like Chicago or something. That's where it took place. But all right. Well, then it's probably filmed in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) He's Abe, the sausage king of Chicago. I I thought it was Chicago. I was going to say Detroit. I remembered it was Detroit or Chicago. I couldn't remember exactly which one. And I I will also say that the brother um, or the actor who plays the brother looked so familiar that I had to look it up this time. He played Pallant in Bones. Christopher Pallant, one of the recurring serial killers whose episodes really weren't that great. (laughs) But uh, thankfully, he apparently has really good comedic timing, which works a lot better in this show. There you go. Yeah. So I really like Lauren Graham's character a lot. I think her name is Joan. I feel like for the character of a female boss, the writers found a really good balance of her being supportive, but also no bullshit when it could have easily leaned way to like, go girl power or on the other hand just coming off like a cold hard bitch um which seems to happen a lot with that kind of character the female boss so she had a a few kind of really funny throwaway lines in this episode too that was that was nice i totally feel zoe on her awkward over preparedness for this new promotion in that she Mentions that she listened to a few podcasts. She's got meticulous notes. She's got packets and journals to hand out to everyone. She's like really going for it. <laughs> That's totally me. <laughs> um, Can I ask if uh, one of the podcasts she listened to was Cracking One Open? Uh, that would be awesome, but I very highly doubt it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Considering this is a fictional show. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very like painfully awkward interaction between Zoe's crushy and crusher. And I think I just made those terms up, but if you listen to my <laughs> review of the, the pilot episode, you'll know who I'm referring to. And I really liked the, their interpretation in this episode of I Want to Dance with Somebody that happens at the coffee shop. It's this slow and longing kind of interpretive dance it, instead of being bouncy and fun like the original rendition. It works really well sound wise, and it also does a good job of illustrating this whole group of people who are all together in this one place, but still feel very alone. And you never really know what's going on in someone else's head. Um, But I'm getting off track. (laughs) The important thing is that in this number, Zoe learns that she can talk to her friend Mo, even though the dancing is still going on. And that's never happened to her before. So while it's cute that Zoe hooked up the, the lonely coffee shop barista with Max, her sure for his restaurant reservation i'm not a fan of how uh she kept blatantly pushing him away after that to the point of being mean about it i've never understood that i guess you would call it a trope of like how to deal with someone having a crush on you is just like pushing them away it, it that does tend to be a tv trope for sitcoms and stuff like that it does and it gets even worse after that when she blows up on her team obviously caving under the pressure of leading her first big project as a manager. So one thing I noticed that I really liked was in the whiteboard on the office in this scene, it says in handwriting, you must learn to let go, release the stress. You were never in control anyway. And at the very beginning of the episode in Zoe's very boring and very empty apartment, the only thing that she has on her wall is a framed picture that says everything is under control. And the control is like the, the keyboard button get it she's a programmer (laughs) (laughs) and she straightens the frame as she walks out the door so i kind of like that 
opposition, even though it's just a, a little detail in the background or what, what would you call it? It's not like a juxtaposition. Mm. What's the what's the word for it? Film guy. I don't know. It's the theme. It's <laughs> your lesson to be learned. I yeah, it's mo- uh, I don't know about motif. It does come around again at the end. So that's a, that's three. Well, that would be the motif of the episode, the theme of your story. Yes. Okay. But that's that's I don't I can't think of the word that you're thinking of on like the bookend. It bookends the story, but yeah, I can't think of the word you're thinking of or if such a word even exists. It has to. I'm sure there is. Anyway, it's called Kulkuflak. We just made it up. <laughs> and when uh, Max brings Zoe's father some butterscotch pudding, that kind of made made up for my feelings about their spat earlier in the episode. It was a very sweet moment, and I like that with such a, a simple admission of guilt from both parties, the apology is kind of unspoken and they don't really beat you over the head with, oh, I'm sorry, I should have done blah, 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 blah. You get a better sense of how deep their friendship runs where they just kind of like, all right, like we both messed up. We're good. And I also love how gung-ho Mo gets in figuring out how Zoe's new ability works. She's got some very interesting suggestions <laughs> on how to learn more about it. But of course, Zoe takes the, the lesson of the episode to heart and tries to give up controlling it because everything will happen when it's meant to blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, overall, like I said before, I really enjoyed the first episode and this one was just as good, if not better. So I'll definitely be turn- tuning in for more. And I really hope that it that it catches on, that it's not too weird for most audiences. It, like I said, it was kind of weird having the pilot air and then letting a few weeks go by before the second episode aired. I feel like that might lose some of the audience as well, but I'm sure it had something to do with the they were changing the night from Thursday to Sunday. And then there was the Super Bowl and then the Oscars. So just bad timing. I will say this. Yeah. Here's what's working against it. Midseason replacement shows On don't usually last what long. Uh, I'm going to give you two other musical examples. Uh, one of them is my crazy ex-girlfriend, which did do well, but wasn't hugely successful. Yeah. Uh, there was another, it has a cult following though. If I'm not wrong, it does. That's why it's lasted as long as it has. And it's Mm -hmm. on the CW, which is a smaller network. Okay. But on the other hand, you have the guy from how I met your mother. Ted had a show Mm -hmm. last year on NBC. That was a musical that didn't last. Uh, really? A few years oh, ago. Oh God, I didn't even know that. <laughs> a few bad. years, a few years before, there was another musical show where people would bust out in the song. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of that either. It was on NBC as well or ABC. Okay. That did not last. And uh, here's what breaks my heart: Gallivant. Oh. Gallivant. Musicals don't last on TV. Maybe this will be the exception. Yeah. But it's a tough sell for Maybe. a lot of people. It is. So don't and get I your hopes up. That. But who knows? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, historically, musical TV shows are tough. Yeah. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Check it out. It's always Extraordinary Playlist. uh, NBC's on Sundays. Also streaming on Hulu. For now. What you got? Hey. Until it goes on the peacock. (laughs) Until it goes on the peacock. Oh, okay. Well, I can lay some news on you. Okay. So we got our first look at the new Robert Pattinson's Batsuit, or Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. a kind of, sort of, kind of, maybe kind of view of his Batsuit. Kind of. It was the crappiest reveal of crappy reveals yeah i mean if you're revealing it now so that when set photos are taken off when you film in public and you've only revealed like the littlest bit of what here's what they revealed his chest and his eyeball part of the cowl you don't get the ears you get his strong jawline which he does look pretty cool in that bat suit yeah you get a little bit of the fact that that bat suit looks a little mechanical mm-hmm. 
a little bit more like pieces, which I like. It kind of looks like the Batsuit from like Arkham Asylum games. It oh, looks like yeah. something that he's actually used his technology to put together, mm-hmm. which I've always liked. I liked the Dark Knight Batsuit mm-hmm. where it was like pieces and the blades all put together to let it allow him to move. Yeah. It's one of my favorite lines in the Dark Knight where he gives his uh, designs to Lucius and say, oh, you want to move your neck? It's a novel, <laughs> novel thing, Mr. Wade. <laughs> Like, not that I don't like the Ben Affleck Batsuit. I really thought that was cool and I loved him in the role. I'm not saying the movies aren't questionable, but I liked him in the role. But the Arkham style Batsuit just makes more sense. He's not yeah. somebody who has the suit under his clothes all the time and rips open his shirt. No. He gets changed. He needs to beat up bad guys. He's just a guy. Get a little extra oomph going with your punches mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, he seems that seems like a suit also that would be holding a lot of gadgets, like the stuff he'd use. Yeah. A lot of people are making a lot of, pointing a lot of attention to his chest piece, mm-hmm. which kind of forms a bat symbol but only kind of vaguely which i kind of like and it looks like they either serve a purpose like it's some kind of tool yeah or a lot of internet rumors which i also like are it's made from the gun of joe chill who famously in the comic books is the man who kills thomas and martha wayne his parents i know a lot of people think it's the joker that did it in michael uh michael keaton tim burton's batman Mm -hmm. it was joker and i think if I'm not mistaken, something else made that the Joker who did it. And obviously in the Joker film, it's alluded to that the Joker, well, he's not directly responsible, incited the violence that killed his parents. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. He puts that into I his like chest it, piece to either, remind him at all times yeah. that this is why I fight for injustice uh, or mm-hmm. fight injustice. But, or that it's utilitarian. Yeah. Like, why just put a bat in your chest? We get it. You've got pointy cows. You already look like a bat. Your cape is a bat. You don't need the symbol. You're a bat. True. Man, the Batman. Man Bat. Man Bat. A lot of people are drawing comparisons to Daredevil. I think that's because you don't see a lot of his mask, and his mask is very form fitting to his face, and it's all colored red. Yeah, but that was just the lighting. Exactly. So, yeah, it kind of looks like Daredevil, but you haven't seen his ears yet. You haven't seen any of the Batsuit. It's like, mm-hmm. right, that's a cool reveal or lame if you wanted more. It's very stylized yeah. like, to the point of almost being like, Ugh. Wait till the <laughs> uh, the eventual Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly, one of those magazine covers come out and actually shows you what it actually looks like. Because clearly that's when they're going to actually reveal it. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be another reveal coming soon because, like I said, if they're going to film outside, people are going to take pictures of that bat suit. You're going to have to do a better job at revealing it than that soon. Yeah. Twist. But- he doesn't have pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We didn't see down below, guys. It would make it more comfortable to fight crime in summertime, Gotham. Right. He's probably got some fans built in there, cooling off that junk down there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what did I say my other bit of news was going to be? Stranger Things. Oh, right. So we saw the Stranger Things trailer. whoop de doo Yeah. I guess. Yeah. A lot of people make it a big deal about Hopper surviving. As if he wouldn't. Yeah. You, he is the show. The hell did you think was going to happen? That your own, like, you got two adults on the show that are your main characters. Yeah. You can't kill off the... Uh, I'm sorry. He stars in everything now. People love Hopper. He's going to survive. Even if he was a little bit of a buffoon last season. Yeah. He was a little more comic relief than maybe he should have been, which is a little out of character, but you still love him. And his speech at the end was amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe, you know, in some sort of way, I kind of hoped he died because it's nice to leave on that speech note, but you're not killing off what's arguably your One strongest of, yeah, character. Exactly. No, he just became Eleven's father, kind of. He just kind of cemented yeah, that relationship that toward to the her. end. You can do that to her. It makes more drama, but you it can't do that to up. him. He can't have learned his lesson. He can't have succeeded at becoming a father just at the last second. You kill him off season four when he's got a little more time to be that father. Yeah. 
which now he hasn't because he has been away from her. So now he's got to earn that back again, which eh, also, eh. but we see he's in Russia. He's bald. He's definitely lost some weight mm-hmm. and uh, he's building a train train tracks. Yep. And the Russians are forcing him to build some train tracks to what we don't know. But we do hear at the end when we fade out the ominous clicking sound that <laughs> of uh, the Gorgon Gormagon. It's Gormagon, right? Yeah. Okay. I was making sure I wasn't mistaking it for the bones serial killer from season one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now you've got me questioning it. Oh no, Gormagon is bones. Fuck. Look up the one from Stranger Things. I don't want to. I want to remember it. Dem- Demo. Demogorgon. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> How do I remember the Gormagon? How is that still in my head? God, I hate that guy. He was one of the worst. Anyway. So at the end, we hear the sounds of the Demogorgon Mm -hmm. in the background, which, of course, we found in the end of season three. Yep. They had hiding in a little prison cell where the American was kept, who was clearly Hopper. Anyone at the end of season three who didn't saw it and went, oh, that can't be Hopper or he did. You're the worst kind of viewers. (laughs) Anyway, so that's Stranger Things. Some people think it's going to start Christmas. Which would make sense because they're kind of hot. They're all holiday kind of themed. Yeah. The last few. So I want it. They did Halloween. They did July 4th. Okay. So do Christmas. Here's my question to you. Yeah. As well. Are they going to use Stranger Things coming back for season four as an excuse to use it as a house for a 30 year running at Halloween Horror Nights do we, Universal. Do we want to go into some Halloween Horror Nights rumors? Sure we do. I got some news for you that I read today. Yeah. So apparently in a press release about the Halloween Horror Nights uh, Hollywood Walking Dead attraction shutting down, mm-hmm. the press release about it shutting down also mentioned, but don't worry because it'll be back as one of a main attraction for Halloween Horror Nights this year. The it was Dead? Yes. So it was okay. hidden at the end. So I guess that's coming back as one of the but main attractions. But that's Hollywood and Hollywood and Univer- and Orlando aren't necessarily always in but sync. their main attraction is always in sync. Oh. Their two mains are always in sync. So at least we pretty if much we, know what one of them is the going to be. We dead the first year that we went, correct? It was not. Th- that had gone. It had gone away that year after being there for like three years in a row. Oh. So yes. What was the big one that we missed? The f- oh, American Horror Story. We didn't get to American Horror Story because yeah. the lineup was ridiculous. Yep. We didn't do Fast Pass. Yep. Which we've already we broken fools. down. We've already broken down for you. If you want to go back and listen to our Universal episode mm-hmm. where we break down our hints and tips and tricks about going to Halloween Horror Nights as well as what to experience there, go mm-hmm. ahead and check that out. <laughs> it's a nice callback episode. Thanks, baby. Ah. We called back some beer and we called back some pop culture news and reviews. Oh, snap. Oh, we're doing such a good job. <laughs> Synergy! <laughs> anyway. Promote synergy. <laughs> now, it's time for my review of Picard. So, we are reviewed the first episode of Picard, and basically I said it was boring, uh, yeah. essentially, and not much happened, and I was excited to see where it was going. It was nice to have Picard back, but... Uh, well, like you said, I, th- I think you had a good point when the first uh, three episodes really could have been condensed into, like, one or two. So now we're on episode four. And we're finally in space mm-hmm. where we learn space is boring from Allison Pill's character. Yep. Who's actually really good I really character. I really like her. <laughs> she brings a lot of like humanity to it. Yes. She's just the actual person on the ship who's not. Yeah. She, she got, has is, past trauma that's really affecting them so deeply. She is the viewer being plopped onto the Enterprise and experiencing it for the first time. Only it's not the Enterprise. Well, yeah. His Rios's ships you know what I mean. sucks. <laughs> Except for his like holograms of himself <laughs> that keep popping up in different. You know, I'm really torn about his holograms I because like them a lot. 
I liked that he had a hologram doctor. Okay, mm-hmm. apparently that was going to be a standard on every ship, starting mm-hmm. with like Voyager. Okay. But do we need him to have a hologram for every like possible function on the ship? Why not? It's funny. Ugh, I don't know. I don't I don't need a holographic uh doc, a holographic person setting up your holodeck experience. <laughs> and why is it him? I mean, I know we're oh, going like to find you, out you soon don't at think some that point. There's going to be a holodeck there's- stylist by then i was like but a, hol- a holographic hologram style like and then <laughs> you have so in episode four they get in a fight with an old school bird of prey which was cool mm-hmm. to see like an old school star trek ship yeah but then he puts up his emh his emergency oh i guess it's not emh it's emergency weapons hologram or something mm-hmm. ewh and it doesn't want to fight it's bored about fighting it's just like yeah Okay, I liked that this clearly Hispanic or Latino actor's medical hologram is Irish for no reason at all. <laughs> I thought that was absurd and funny. Uh, but then they just they're, they're wearing they're wearing down on it. I, I'm, if I find he's got a fifth fucking hologram, that's another <laughs> kind of personality. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Like, it's too much. And a ship looks like trash. It looks like and I get that not every fed like if you don't have a Federation ship, it should look a little different. Yeah. But I mean, ugh, I just really want Picard to be on something with nacelles again. This thing looks like it needs to be in like aliens or something like that. I, I don't know. Although I do like blending the newer technology into it. Mm-hmm. They have touch screens that are all holographic and cool. And yeah. they, they minority report things up on the screen. That's that's great. That's that's sweet. Yeah. Like the, the research that uh, Rafi's doing. But uh, Rafi just she kind of makes me mad. Like, I don't I don't understand a lot of like the characters all are just like so downtrodden. Yeah. Still on the show. Kind of like I'm too old for this shit. Not even that. It's just like uh, everything's terrible. And it's just like that's not what Star Trek is about. Yeah. Star Trek is about hope. And this is about the opposite of hope. I guess it's about bringing hope to one person. And it's all still very obscure. Uh, You got Dodge on the. Is it Dodge or did Dodge die? Dodge died. Yeah. So you've got Soji on the board cube with Narek and you can't like I we still don't Have know they, what they're doing. I feel like there's probably a meaning to their names, Dodge and Soji. I'm sure there is. Just like the necklaces that they wear, the complimentary necklaces. I just I don't care, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. I, do, I the, the the show is I'm I'm glad Picard's back and mm-hmm. this episode is a big improvement. Yeah. So they go back into space. Picard gets on the planet. Unfortunately, these Romulans are elves now. They're not Romulans anymore. We're getting into fantasy kind of land. He goes to a sect of Romulan warrior women nuns who yeah. are raising this young boy who Picard was really good friends with, which is a very nice scene when you get the flashbacks mm-hmm. and you see how he kind of helped the boy and wanted the boy to find new parents. And you get Picard going back to the planet now and there's Romulans only and people are bad or humans are bad. And yeah, I, like, I really I didn't. The only scene I really didn't like in this episode was when he like blatantly takes the the, the sign. Yeah, off the, the Romulans, Romulans only sign at the bar and walks over it. I'm like, why? Yeah, why? you're an 80 year old man, Picard. Don't fuck with them. Yeah, he already told you there's seven minutes until they can beam you up. And he does <laughs> this to piss him off, knowing he'll be saved in the end. But like they could kill you in sooner than seven minutes. Yeah, they got a disruptor. They almost did. If your little uh, Romulan assassin son, surrogate son didn't save you. Yeah. Which, I mean, was cool and exciting, and it was nice to have a little bit of action on the show, but it, it's just... I did not expect him to just, like, decapitate the guy. that guy's head off. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. It was a marked improvement from the other episodes. Mm-hmm. Jerry Ryan's introduction, I didn't like either. No. So they're fighting this bird of prey, and this little ship starts helping him out and shooting at stuff, and then it almost... Oh, Why is she out on her own? We'll find out next episode. Here's my problem. Mm-hmm. It's not that she's there. It's, oh, 
who's this guy? Oh, he's so great. Oh, I can't wait to meet him. They just say it over and over and over him. Hey, this guy, who's he? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm sorry. First of all, that's an old trope. Even in, if you do something that takes place nowadays, going mm-hmm. he, 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 he all the time. And then oh, guess what? It's a girl. Oh this my is God. 24th freaking century. Yeah. And why is this going to be a big deal? He, he, oh, it was a girl. You're done with that. You're done with that nowadays. Yeah. Why is that the big reveal? And you know it was Jerry Ryan because anybody who's watched the trailers knows she's on the show. So it's just like, why do you, why is this a big shock? And then she's totally. Her name was on the credits in the very beginning. Her, She's totally out of character when she gets beamed aboard the ship and just goes, you owe me another ship a card. She's not Marion from Indiana Jones. (laughs) And until I get a new ship a card, you're my, I'm your new goddamn partner. Ugh. I really expected more from the show so far. I love that Picard's back on it, but it doesn't feel like Star Trek. It doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. It's taken four episodes and we're still collecting pieces of the main cast. You're a short, you're a short form series. You're what? 10 to 12 episodes. Let's go. The board cube stuff is going absolutely nowhere. They're doing the song and dance between Narek and Soji. And we don't know what's going on other than they're banging. And yep. him and Eric has sister issues, clearly, with his sister. Oh, God, that was disturbing. I didn't like that scene at all. We don't know. We don't really know what this whole mythology is. We don't know what the Destroyer is. I get it's a big secret, but I really hope this storyline wraps up because I don't want to see it in season two of Picard. Yeah. I'm glad Picard's back. I'm glad the story's continuing, I guess. And you want that wine. I do want the Chateau Picard, but I, I just I just can't endorse the show right now. If you're a huge fan of Star Trek... And you haven't watched the show yet? Maybe wait. <laughs> I would say wait till it all comes out in CBS All Access. Do the free month trial and then cancel your subscription. Although, if you are a big fan of Star Trek, watch Star Trek Discovery because Discovery is killing it. Discovery yeah. is really good. And the short treks, yeah, they're mostly good. But yeah, Picard the is just. That I've seen were good. Yeah, it's just Picard is just. Not there yet. It's so frustrating because you want to like it because he's still really good. And it's not like the actors aren't doing a good job. It's, it's the just story. The story it's the is. story that they're provided. Not Star Trek. I hate the Starfleet being evil storyline. And that's yeah. not even the main thing that bothers me. But that's kind of sucky. But be- yeah, because that's the main overarching theme right now. You can't really get away from it. You can't. And your actual mystery. I don't care. Clearly, you keep saying it's Data's daughter. I've got no proof of that other than he hallucinated about Data in the first two episodes. You get no Data connection. It's clearly the Romulans and Borg making people. I don't know. I was really hoping more from the great writing staff they had, from people who have watched Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping for something different, better, more exciting. I mean, I get that Star Trek The Next Generation talked a lot of their issues out. They were about peace and exploration, but this isn't even about peace or exploration. Nope. This is about, I don't know. So anyway, that's my review TBD. on Picard. If the next episode gets better, I'll review it. If not, yeah, I don't think you'll hear much more from me unless until uh, we release uh, possibly a web series about Star Trek called Making a Trekking, which may be coming out soon. But anyway, yeah, Picard. Yeah. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who would make any excuse to love anything Star Trek. It's true. You know what would make you feel better? More Old Blumpy. More Old Blumpy. Blumpy by Thomas Hooker Brewery, located in... Bloomfield and Hartford, Connecticut. It was fantastic. It is fantastic. So anyway, baby, let's drink more. Let's drink more. Do I want some Star Trek The Next Generation to heal my pain? Sure. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Till next time. Cheers. Oh, that was a good clink. Why didn't we do that earlier? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So.
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Kraken One Open, or send us a Gmail, an email at Kraken One Open at gmail.com. You got anything to plug? Oh, I got plenty to plug. Uh, if you enjoy the sound of my voice or want to hear me talk to someone else other than this lady right here. I love you, baby. <laughs> uh, you can hear me on Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field, writer-director Mike Field, where we talk about all things forgotten cinema. It's a podcast about movies that for some reason have been forgotten by audiences, whether they came out around the same time as a more popular movie or it just didn't catch on with audiences in its initial run. Uh, we break down these movies, why they were forgotten fun facts about the production and what we thought about them when we revisit them and whether or not you guys should, which we usually say you should revisit all cinema and give it a second chance. That podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Apple podcasts, wherever podcasts we found. You can also find us on forgotten cinema. We are also starting a fictional narrative podcast called welcome to Brookville. The first episode should be dropping at the beginning of March. Uh, and that will be an anthology series that will continue on from then on. And, uh, starting up again, I know we haven't done it since about August, but Two Player Bros is coming back in some shape or form starting in uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, actually, we should have an episode out this week reintroducing a uh, new co-host, David Cannon. Ooh. We're going to introduce him, talk a little bit about our favorite video games for 2019, and segue into what we expect from PAX East, which we are actually going to go to and report uh, live from with some live videos Woo-hoo. and even an episode from our, I'm sure, our hotel room where it's nice and quiet while we talk about our experiences at PAX East over the weekend. So that's coming up soon as well. That'll be available also wherever you find your podcasts. Nice. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Again, till next time. I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Elise. Cheers. That one sucked. Oh.